Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. God loves us so very much. If I didn't say anything else tonight, and I just said that God loved us, we could go home. And that would last us for at least till Sunday. (laughs) That God loves us. We're a couple weeks outside of our 21 days of prayer. How many of you excited 21 days of prayer over? I caught somebody clapping back over there. That was a trick question. (laughs) But how many of you received something from God in that 21 days of prayer and fasting? If you think back before it started, how many of you can say that at the end, I'm different than what I was? There was something that you were believing God for. How many of you can say that that need was met or it was fulfilled, that you're no longer the same? And the enemy, we said this during, during the 21 days of prayer, that the enemy will try to tell you that after the fast is over, after the prayer is over, you're gonna go back. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, some of us probably did. Some of us probably went back to the things that we fasted from and we said that we weren't gonna do anymore, we're gonna give it up. Some of us probably went back. Can I tell you, God still loves you. He still loves you. And he's saying, hey, get back on the horse, ride again. Get back up there and ride again. Every time we we go through a a season of fasting and prayer, you know, I always have some specific focus. Um, You know, outside of, you know, we have, of course, we had a corporate focus and those are always good. But then me personally, and I encourage you the next time we do it, me personally, I had a specific focus for my life. Something that I was believing God for, that I was trusting God for, that I had faith in God for throughout those 21 days of prayer. And before the fast started, and I can't remember if I was reading a book or if some Pastor Don or Pastor Ken said it or the Lord spoke to me in a dream or something like that. I don't remember, but I remember the, the, what was impressed upon my heart and the, the words were, don't become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Christ. That's what, that was, that's what was spoken to my heart. Don't become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of God. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Dave? Can I tell you that it's so very easy? That it's so very easy for me as a pastor at this church to be so consumed with the calling of being a pastor. This is my occupation. This is what I do. I'm here every day. I spend my time here at the church. This is, this is what we do. I don't do anything else. This is what we do. And because I know the calling that I have on my life, it's so very easy for me to just focus on that calling. It's so very easy for me to read my word with the primary focus of making sure that I've got knowledge, that I've got a word of knowledge, that I've got some kind of revelation, that when somebody needs to hear a word, that Pastor Dave is ready. 
When somebody needs to be prayed for, that Pastor Dave is ready. When I step foot on that stage and I begin to sing or I begin to exhort that I say something that's coming from the heart of God. It's so easy to do those things, to read, to fast, to pray with the primary focus of the calling and making sure that I'm ready to be able to give out. And the father spoke to me. He said, don't become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of me. Because before the calling, before he called me as a pastor, he called me to be his follower, to be his child. And so I made up my mind, I made this decision that at the beginning of this year, I said, you know, I'm going to get back to where my focus is just on my relationship with you. I'm not saying that the calling doesn't matter but I'm saying that the calling is secondary. Some may not agree with that, but Pastor Lemoyne did. (laughs) The calling is secondary. My relationship with my father is primary, it's first. I love Israel wrote this song. He said, Jesus at the center of it all. And I love the, the, reason, the, the, the reason that he wrote that song is because Jesus is not my highest priority. Well, what does that mean? I don't have Jesus on my priority list because what that means is that at any given time, at any point, he can move down in that priority list and other things can, can be stacked on top of it. But if I change my way of thinking, I change my way of seeing my relationship with the Father and I say that he's not my highest priority, but he's the center of it all. Everything that I do, everything that I have stems from Jesus Christ. Everything else is secondary. So I told the Father, I said, I'm gonna get back to to not just being so concerned and so focused on the calling that you have given me, this great, which I am so honored and so privileged to be a pastor. I'm so honored. It is a great, a huge honor to be a pastor. It is. But that's not my focus. My primary focus is the fact that I'm a child of God. I'm a lover of Jesus. And he's a lover of me. So I asked him to sing this song, How He Loves Us, for a reason. I know we sang the song last week, but I wanted them to sing it again this week as we're talking about falling in love with Jesus. For, for one specific reason, because I wanted to remind you all, plain and simple, that God loves you. And as I said, that as my primary, as my focus has changed and I'm getting back to the place of where I'm just focusing on the fact that God loves me, that everything else is becoming so small. Everything else is becoming dim. That song that says, turn your eyes on Jesus, look full at his wonderful face and the things of this world would grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace and his love. As my focus 
is on Jesus, as my eyes are set on Jesus, as he is my primary focus. Daniel Eric Groves, Pastor Daniel was here several years, this was several years ago when he said this, and I know he told, he told us in, our, uh, in one of our sessions with the worship team, and I believe he said it on a Sunday, but he said that the father told him, and it was one of the, the same things that just rang true, the father told him that when you spend time in my presence, imagine a cup and a, and a saucer, a cup sitting on top of a saucer. And every time you spend time with the Father, every time you spend time with me, you pray, you read my word, you spend time in my presence worshiping, I fill that cup up. And as I continue to fill that cup up, as you continue to stay in my presence, I fill that cup up and then it gets to a point where it reaches the top. And as it reaches to the top and I keep filling it, what happens? It overflows. And he said, the overflow that falls into that saucer that's where I want you to worship from. That's where I want you to give from, from what falls into the saucer, the overflow. And so the challenge for us as pastors is to ensure that we are getting up, that we are speaking, that we are teaching, that we are worshiping out of the overflow. Because if we don't, we get burnt out. That's why so many pastors, not anybody here, but so many pastors give up, throw in the towel, walk away from ministry. I believe that it's because they weren't working out of the overflow. And as they continue to deplete what was in that cup, they got to a place where there was nothing left. The only thing they can do was give up. I know I haven't gotten to my notes yet, but I'm flowing here a little bit. And I'm preaching next week, so if we don't get finished, we'll, we'll get to it next week. But God wants us, wants me as a pastor to ensure that I'm giving out of my overflow. But can I tell you that he requires the same thing of you? Well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor, Pastor Dave, but you're a follower of God. You're a minister. Any person that spreads the gospel is a minister. Just because you don't stand behind a pulpit with a headset microphone and an iPad or whatever it may be and preach does not mean that you're not a minister. When you tell someone about Jesus Christ, which we're all required to do, you're a minister. And God wants you to work out of that overflow. In your lives, in your marriages, on your jobs, in your home, out of the overflow. That's why so many spouses walk away. We've gotten to the point where they just give up. They don't have anything left. I'm gonna step out on a limb and say, you weren't wor working out of the overflow. Falling in love with Jesus 
Ephesians chapter three, let's go to our notes. Verse 14 through 19. New Living Translation, verse 14 says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Underline that. Verse 18, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, underline that, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When we look at this scripture, as I was reading this scripture, God opened this thing up to me like I had never read it, I have never seen before. And you see it here in the scripture where Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit, but he's saying that the Holy Spirit and his power uh, as well as the power he can give you or give us. And when I think about the Holy Spirit and I think about his power, I think about the Holy Spirit's power to do this, his power to do that, his power to perform miracles, his power to change lives. But when I read the scripture this time, I saw that Paul was talking about something completely different. Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit's power for us, in your notes, a strength that he gives us so that we can know and understand the love of Christ, which is beyond knowledge. So Paul is telling us here that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to understand the love of God. And so as I read this, I'm thinking, well, if the Holy Spirit has to give us the power to understand it, does that mean that we don't know the power or, or know the love of God on our own? Absolutely right. That's absolutely correct. The Holy Spirit has to give us the power, the strength to understand the love of God. As he said in the scripture, because it goes beyond our knowledge. It goes beyond our finite minds. Remember this. When we become aware of how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is, we become unstoppable. Unstoppable. The person that knows the love of God can not be stopped. 
The person that has a proper understanding of the love of God cannot be defeated. The person that knows and understands the love of God will never quit. Paul, as he reads this, or as he says this scripture, or this prayer, if you will, he goes through a progression as he prays. And we see in the scripture, he basically says that when I think of all this, I fall to my knees. So we see that Paul bows before God. Well, why does he do that? So that Christ might dwell in your hearts, verse 17. Well, why? So that you might be rooted and grounded in love. And why is that? So that you can know the love of Christ. Well, why is that, Pastor Dave? So that at the end, you are mature, a complete person, filled with the fullness of Christ. After all, isn't that the goal? Isn't that the end game? That we all get to a place where we're full, where we're complete in God knowing his love? Isn't that where we should be? Something happens when we get to a place where we know and we understand the love of God. As I said earlier, that song that says the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that's why I had them to sing that song about how he loves us. And you notice that it doesn't say you love or I love you. And can I tell you, there's nothing wrong in worship with saying, God, I love you. I love you, God. I love you. You're worthy. I honor you. I love you. But can I tell you, me saying, God, I love you, I love you, is not going to get me through the trials of life. When all hell breaks through in my life, me declaring my love for God is not going to give me the strength to keep going. What's going to give me the strength to keep going is me reminding myself and knowing that God loves me. That's why I love that song and the writers of that song, they were so filled with the anointing when they wrote it. How he loves us. Joseph Prince, great man, I love it. I love his teaching, his books, all that. Joseph Prince said one time years ago, he says, never boast about how much you love God, but always boast about how much God loves you. Well, why does he say that? Think about it. Do you remember when you first came to God? You may have been living your life any old kind of way, and then you turned your life over to God, and you said, I'm gonna start living this thing. I'm gonna start walking this thing out. You're professing how much you love God. All the people that used to know the old you, they see this new you, and you're telling them, I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? It's an inside joke. Everybody over here knew. 
It's a, it's a song, it's a terrible song. I love the artist who wrote it and sings it, but the song is just terrible. <laughs> I love guy. You don't love guy? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Y'all made me forget where I was going. But you're telling people how much you love God, professing your love for God. Well, what happens when you fall back into one of those things that you used to do? And those people see you fall back. What's the first thing that they say? I thought you loved God. If you love God, why are you still doing that? If you love God, why are you saying those things? So when Joseph Prince says, don't boast about how much you love God, listen, that's an encouragement, that's some advice. Because me declaring my love for God does absolutely nothing but put myself in danger when I fall, when I make a mistake. But when I boast about how much God loves me, even when I fall, even when I make a mistake, even when my actions don't line up with the love for him that I profess, I can still declare that he loves me. I can still boast about the fact that he loves me. Though my love for him may change, and if we be honest, we have all been at a place where our love for God has changed. When you've been praying for something and it isn't lining up to what you've been praying for or you haven't received it as quick as you thought that you, would have, you should have received it, it hasn't worked out the way you thought that it would work out, then you start to question yourself. Man, do I really love God? Does he really love me? Our love for him changes. But his love for us never changes. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many times you fall. But Pastor Dave, I said I was going to give up drinking and I went back to it. He still loves you. I can't take this marriage anymore. I walked away from my wife. Hey, he still loves you. I stepped out on my spouse. I know I messed up. Guess what? He still loves you. I've lived a life of crime. I went to prison. He still loves you. I was mad at him because he took my, 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 my daughter. He took my son. He took my mother. He took my sister. He took my grandfather. He still loves you even when you're mad at him, he still loves you. Don't boast about how much you love God. Always boast about how much God loves you. Because again, my declaring my love for him is not gonna give me the strength to keep fighting when I wanna quit. When I want to walk out on my spouse, my declaring my love for him is not going to make me stay. But the reminder that God loves me is going to keep me in the game. It's going to keep me fighting. 
keep me going strong because he loves me. So in this scripture, Paul is telling us three things. I may only get to two of them. 13 minutes, actually a little less than 13 minutes left. It's 13 minutes to eight o'clock, but. So three things, and if we don't finish again, come back next week and we're gonna, we're gonna finish it up. The first thing that Paul is telling us in this scripture here is to focus on our inner self. Number one, focus on your inner self. In the scripture, Paul deals with the inner man, our inner self. He says he will empower you with inner strength. We, that inner strength or that inner man that Paul is talking about is our heart. And so what Paul is telling us here is that we must deal with heart issues, not with the symptoms or the byproducts, the heart issue. Think about it, you get sick, you got a cold, coughing, sneezing, fever, cold sweats. I'm gonna stop there because I was gonna say something else and I don't wanna say it. Even though Pastor Don's not here, he's probably watching. Hey, Pastor Don. Those are symptoms of a sickness. So what do you do? You run and get the NyQuil. If I drink some of this NyQuil, it's going to help me to go to sleep. It'll stop my cough so that I can go to sleep. But guess what happens? When you wake up in the morning and the NyQuil wears off, the cough is still there. The running nose is still there. Sometimes the fever is still there. What did you just do? You just dealt with the symptoms for a moment. You gave yourself a temporary fix. And it's the same thing in our own lives. Paul is saying that you deal with the heart issues and not just the symptoms. When you're sick, you wanna take the NyQuil when in fact, if you just eat vegetables, take vitamins, Stop eating all the fried foods and all those other different things that, that, that cause your body to do the opposite. If you, you eat healthy and live a healthy lifestyle, then what happens is your own body begins to fight off those symptoms itself. And you don't need medicine. You won't need those other things because your body is fighting it off. And it's the same thing in your own life. When lust, when temptation, when those things, the, when fear and anxiety, when you want to quit, starts to rise up, those are only symptoms. But when you've spent time in the presence of God, when you're reading his word, when you're praying to him, when you're worshiping him, you're working on that core, the core, your heart issue, and that begins to fight off the symptoms itself. Because when it all boils down to it, God is more concerned about your heart than what he's concerned about what you've done. He's concerned about the condition of your heart. We talk about it a lot when we do the offering. 
And I, I say it every time, I love that story with the widow woman. When she gives everything that she had, it was her very last. She put it in, we'll call it an offering bucket. She put it in the offering bucket. And the disciples are seeing all of these other men put these large sums of money in this bucket. And Jesus tells them, look at that woman right there. She has given more than everybody. But they're looking at the fact, well, wait, Jesus, out. I, you, you've got a treasurer. That's we count for you. It's, I understand you probably just got your numbers mixed mixed up a little bit because I saw somebody give way more than what she did. Jesus said no. She gave more because she gave from her heart. God was focused on our heart more so than what he was focused on the thing that she had given. God is so more focused on your heart than what he's concerned about what you have done. Don't believe it? Look in the Bible. Look at David. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. But the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. That can only be so if God is looking at his heart. If God was looking at his actions and the things that he'd done, do you think he would have been called a man after God's own heart? 1 Samuel 16 and seven says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is concerned about your heart. I messed up what's in your heart. I made a mistake. What's in your heart? Can I tell you that God, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God doesn't even see the things you've done. Why? Because it's covered under the blood. It's covered under the blood of Jesus. So when he looks at you, he doesn't see your actions. He sees his, the, his son's blood and he sees your heart. Ask yourself this, are you satisfied with just addressing the symptoms? Think about your own life. Are you satisfied with just addressing the symptoms? As a pastor, I, I, I look at, and, and I can probably speak for, for other pastors as well, and other leaders, and sometimes, we won't say this to you, but sometimes we think these things. When you tell us things that are going on in your life and we know things that are going on in your life, sometimes we, we ask certain questions in our own selves. Why don't you serve more? Why don't you give more? Why don't you just love your neighbor? Why don't you stop fighting in your marriage? Why don't you stop treating your husband that way? Why don't you stop talking to your wife that way? Why don't you just stop looking at pornography? Why don't you stop being greedy and just wanting more and more and more? But can I tell you, those are all just symptoms. This is what the father told me after reading this scripture. Those are all just symptoms of a deeper heart issue that if you knew and understood the love of God who loves you and how much he loves you, those symptoms would go away. 
How many of you can attest to the fact that when you came to Christ and you found out exactly how much he loved you, some of the desires that you had, you no longer have anymore. I don't, even, I don't even say some of the things that I've said. I don't even like going to some of the places that I've gone because I know the love of God. Symptoms have changed because your heart has changed. So Paul prays and he says, basically, I'm praying for your inner man, not these external things, not the physical things, not the symptoms, but the core of your being because if you really understood the love of God, it would change you. It's not a miracle of your, your physical, of your physical bo- uh, body. It's, not, uh, uh, it's a miracle in the core of your being. To come to understand the love of God. It's a miracle. And as Paul is saying here, and we're going to talk about it next week, so I'm going to stop right here. That we come to know the love of God through prayer. And when you get to that place, and if I ask you a question, how much does God love you? You know how much God loves you. I'll guarantee you 90% of the people in here would say, oh, he loves me so much that he gave his only begotten son. John three sixteen. He loves me so much that he gave his own, that's how much he loves me. But when you look at that scripture, can I tell you that that's not what that means? John 3.16 talks about how he loves us. He loves the world, so he gave. But it doesn't talk about how much he loves us. In John 15 and 9, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. That is how much he loves you. John 3, 16 is how he loves you. John 15 and nine is how much. Can you imagine how much the father loves Jesus? Think about it. Think about how much the father loves Jesus. Would you say that it's a perfect love? And Jesus says, just like my father loves me, That's exactly how I love you. With a perfect love. When Jesus was on that cross, God looked down, he saw sin. But he still loved Jesus. And Jesus still loves you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.